Brett, the countdown. Brett, Brett, what is going oh, on? What is this? Countdown. New Year's is canceled. Brett, you you just can't cancel New Year's. We okay? blew it, Nick. I blew it. It's 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 too late. Brett, what are you talking about? <gasps> what month is it, Nick? Is this a trick question? No, or it's what's not. Happening? What month is it? It's January. January. Brett. It's January, Nick. <laughs> which means it is a new year. Yeah, the January 1st is the new year, and that's kind of great, right? I mean, I know we've talked about how January 1 is just a date, but still, it's a new year. It has this sort of feeling of possibility. Wait, wait. Just, just listen to this, Nick. <laughs> this, is not, twice. this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's get some... Oh, hey, yeah, that's that interview I did with Michael Hyatt. He has a new book out called Your Best Year Ever, and he actually told me this is going to be my best year ever. Oh, well, under the circumstances, that seems unlikely. What what circumstances? What are you talking about, Look, Brett? Just, just hold on. Oh, let me get to the part I meant to play for you. Hold on a second. I guess the last thing would be if you wanted to, to leave somebody, leave our listeners with a big idea takeaway from your best year ever. This is it right here. Only, listen. Let's say they're not going to get the book for a few months or whatever. Let's say that you just have one thing you want to say to them related to this idea. What would that be? Don't enter 2018 without a plan. See? Well? Well, what? (sighs) What month is it, Nick? It's still January, Brett. Exactly. January. It's 2018, Nick. This episode is on goals and making 2018 your best year ever. And when you asked Michael Hyatt for his most important piece of advice, he said... Hold on, hold on. Just let me get there. Yeah, I, I know what he said. I don't have to hear this. Just... Don't enter 2018 without a plan. Also, just as an aside, Brett, but when did we start recording our interviews on cassette tape? <sighs> focus, Nick. Focus. Okay, look, I, don't tell me to focus. Look, how, how can we finish this show? I mean, how can we support our listeners to make a plan when it's already too late? I mean. Imagine this, okay? It's the Super Bowl. The whistle blows. The ball is kicked into the air. And as it's flying, one of the coaches turns to his assistant and says, Hey, uh, we should probably put a plan together for this game. How do you think that would work out, Nick? (laughs) We should have put this episode out back in December. Given our listeners a few weeks at least. Now we're, we're basically just telling them, hey. Here's how to make 2018 your best year ever. But guess what? For you, it's too late. Okay. Well, listen, I, I think that you may be taking this idea a little bit too literally, Brad. Oh, I don't think so, Nick. Uh, well, I mean, yes. He said don't enter 2018 without a plan. But, and listen, what if we get to decide when 2018 starts? What? Like like what? We're going to start like a change.org petition to move the beginning of the year to February 1st? Okay, number one, you should do that. Number two, I mean, what if, and just consider this for a second, what if people out there who don't have a plan for the year, what if they just sort of hit pause, like on a cassette deck? Oh. Yeah, see what I did there? And then they can listen to this episode, and then they can create a plan, and maybe that takes them a few hours, a few days, maybe even some weeks, and that's okay, because who's more likely to have a more successful year? The person who gets hustling on January 1 and just sort of wings it, Or the person who says, okay, I didn't have a plan on January 1st, 
which is us. But now I realize it's like January 9th or whatever, and I don't really have a solid plan for the year, but no worries, I will do it now. And then they do. And then they quote, enter 2018 on like January 23rd and off they go. But this time they're ready. You think that person is going to miss those extra 23 days? I, th I think that they will be okay. Huh. You know, I think those are wise words, Nick. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Dare I say, you might be onto something. I mean, just to be clear, we're not saying to like spend four months making a plan, like and get started in May. We're just saying, you know, whatever you need, a few days, a few weeks. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's do this, Nick, then. All right. Let's, let's make this our best year ever. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. But wait, we didn't really talk about how we were going to do that. Aha. Uh -huh. That's what the cassette tape is for. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we are talking goals, and joining us is author and speaker Michael Hyatt. Plus, we've also got a handful, or maybe it's a spattering, or it might just be a few, new digs for you. My name is Brett Guida, Mr. New Year's Rock and Eve over there. That's Nick Jaworski. Hey, Brett, it is freezing out here. Can we start that countdown again? Let's start the show. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. I'm an author, a speaker, a blogger, and I basically help high achievers um, win at work and succeed at life. It, it comes down to you basically envisioning what would comprise your best year ever. That's going to be different for you than it is for me and different from everybody else. That is obviously Michael Hyatt a former literary agent and then CEO of a book publishing company. And as he stated, Michael is now a full-time author, speaker, blogger, and podcaster. Michael's latest book is entitled Your Best Year Ever. So, you know, when we opened up the Rolodex to find someone to talk to about planning your best year ever, well, Michael sort of jumped out. Now, I wasn't there for the interview as Nick spoke with Michael. But as I listened back and then read Michael's book, I realized there is a lot to unpack, and I just got this fancy new $10 cassette deck for Christmas, and I really want to use it. So we'll be moving back and forth throughout the interview, and I'll be dropping in some thoughts with the intention of providing each of you with some key takeaways that you can go put into action. Okay, so where were we? So can we all agree that the date doesn't matter? January 1 is just an arbitrary day in the ongoing journey of your life. And besides, this episode is going to come out on January 9th. You might be listening to it on January 10th, June 14th, December 1st. Whatever the date, the time is now. What time is it? Do you want to be the best? Yeah, sure. All right, then. The time is now. Get up. And the topic is goals. And we decided if we're going to talk about goals, we wanted to bring in someone who has some expertise in this area, which really means they have experience and successful results, right? And expertise does not mean you wrote a book on it. 
Expertise does not mean you made a video on it. Expertise does not mean that you talked about it on a podcast. Expertise does not even mean that you've done it, even if you've done it thousands of times. Expertise means that you've got the experience as well as the desired results. And that's really important here because Michael Hyatt has both. As author John Acuff states in his review of Michael's latest book, the best part of this book is that before he wrote it, Michael spent decades living it. This is Michael Jordan writing a book about basketball. Now to be clear, that is Michael Jordan writing a book about basketball, not baseball. Hey, that's a low blow. And in addition to the results that Michael has created in his own life, over 30,000 people have gone through Michael's Your Best Year Ever course and shared their successes in hundreds of testimonials. And I say this up front because maybe some of you are like me. See, if I'm honest with you, when I first read this five-step process for goal achievement, I thought to myself, uh, well, duh. And I have that thought sometimes when I read or listen to things about self-development and being better. And maybe that's because I've taken a lot of courses, I've read a lot of books, I've done a lot of work on me. And so, you know, if you're hearing something for the 50th, 100th, 1,000th time, you might think to yourself, well, I'm just like, duh, duh, so obvious. It's like, But that is also a surefire signal that I'd better pay attention. There is a concept people often talk about in learning and development, which is just because something is common sense doesn't mean it's common practice. I have my own sort of version of this, which is anytime I'm reading a book, taking a course, listening to a podcast, whatever, and my reaction to something is, well, duh, I already know that. I immediately follow it up with the question, am I doing it? Because knowing something is pretty easy. Having the courage, discipline, strength, willpower, or whatever else is necessary to do it, well, that's different and often lacking. So the first question is, am I doing it? The second question is, well, okay, even if I am doing it, how effective have I been in doing it? And whatever the concept or idea or thing is, have I ever really done it? By that I mean fully executed it. And not just some of the ideas or steps, but all of the steps. And not just all of the steps, but in the order or the way that they are prescribed. And how often do we choose to attack something without any firsthand experience of it? could make you wonder why we do that. Maybe fear? Maybe it's easier to cut something or someone else down than to fail ourselves. Maybe we don't believe we have the courage, the discipline, the strength, the willpower to follow through. So I'm going to pass the mic here, so to speak, to Michael Hyatt and let him share with us some of his proven process. And as I mentioned, I'll pepper in some thoughts here and there. As you listen, just notice your self-talk. Don't let yourself get distracted by what you know. 
Imagine how you can make this your best year ever through what you do, your actions. And so if we again consider that a year is a 12-month period of time, and it does not matter when that 12-month period of time starts, we ask Michael, how do you make these next 12 months your best ever? Well, in the final analysis, it comes down to you. It, it comes down to you basically envisioning what would comprise your best year ever. That's going to be different for you than it is for me and different from everybody else. But you've got to be able to envision what it would take for you to get to December the 31st of this next year and look back and say, wow, that was my best year ever. And I encourage people in the book to look at all the different domains of their life. So it's not just vocationally, but it's in terms of their most significant relationships, their health, their friendships, all kinds of stuff, whatever it would take to make this next year your best year ever. Yeah. So I like steps because I like to make things really simple and really actionable so that mere mortals, people like us can actually follow. <laughs> so we are not in the same, <laughs> in the same boat, Michael Hyatt. <laughs> yes, I absolutely am. So, yeah, so I mean, I struggle with all this stuff too, which is where this came out of. You know, I, I've been doing goal setting for now um, over 15 years, this kind of goal setting, this process involving these five steps. And I struggled initially, just like everybody does. But roughly, here are the steps. First of all, you've got to imagine that something else is possible. And I think this is very difficult for people because people have to suspend disbelief. A lot of people are cynical about uh, whether or not things can change. Uh, they're not sure that they can. They're inhibited by these limiting beliefs. So just believing in possibilities, suspending disbelief and believing that this next year could actually be different is the first step. Because if you don't do that, I mean, the rest of the steps really don't make any sense. Now, look, spoiler alert. Later on in the interview, Nick asked Michael which step he thought was most important. And he said this one, believe in the possibility. And I totally agree. Every thought you have, every action you take is going to be initially generated by your belief. Now, we could do an entire season on how to shift your beliefs. And we just don't have the time in one episode to dive into this concept significantly. I'm letting Michael walk you through his five steps. And I'm going to suggest that if you want to do a deeper dive into any of them, that you find your way to do that. One obvious step would be to get a copy of Michael's book where he delves into each of these in more depth. There are also episodes of Where There's Smoke that delve into almost every one of these steps. And there are infinite resources out there, whether they are books, courses, podcasts, coaches, whatever, to do a deeper dive. And so maybe the prequel step to all of the rest is that you need to take accountability. You need to take responsibility. It's all on you, Jess. You need to say to yourself, yes, I want to execute this best year ever plan, and I'm going to do what it takes to do it. So step one, you got to take on your own belief process. And that brings us to step two, which for me is sort of one of the most interesting steps. And maybe that's simply because I hadn't really considered it before. Then the second step is to complete the past. Unfortunately for a lot of people, because they've had setbacks, they've had challenges, they've had failures in the past, those can often inhibit their ability to envision something different in the future. So one of the things I do in that second step is help people complete the past. You know, and this isn't for, you know, serious trauma or things that you need a psychotherapist for. I'm not that guy. 
But for most of us, just the typical setbacks and the things where, you know, we didn't accomplish everything that we had hoped, just to go through that and acknowledge that and process it. And I give a process in the book for uh, completing the past. I went through a business failure in 1992 and I had my own business at the time and it was a publishing business and publishing requires a lot of capital. And we just had all of our capital sucked up in royalty advances and inventory and accounts receivable and all this stuff. And we outstripped our, our growth outstripped our cash flow, And so we went broke. We couldn't even declare bankruptcy because we didn't have enough money to go bankrupt. We didn't have any assets to distribute. So I shouldn't be laughing at what sounds like a terrible situation. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. It was horrific. I mean, I, I remember sitting in my office with all the furniture had been picked up by the bank. There was nothing in the office except a phone, a wired in phone. Remember those? Uh, yes. Wired in, into the to the wall. My partner and I were just sitting there on the floor, just going like, "What the heck happened?" And because we didn't really process that, I mean, I had a family to feed, and I had to jump right back into the next thing and try to make a living. Well, then fast forward. Uh, then about 20 years, when I decided to go out from the corporate world, sort of from the womb of the corporate world, where everything was provided, and start a business again. And because I hadn't processed that the first time, I had all this self-doubt, all this fear, all this concern, the sense of uncertainty that, you know, maybe I'm just not cut out to be in business for myself. What if this all blows up in my face again? And so it really held me back. I stayed stuck in that place for quite a while trying to figure out whether or not I wanted to venture out and take on this new challenge. And so as you set goals, Think about what comes up for you when you set those goals. Maybe some of you right now have a goal in mind. When you think about that goal, do you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I am going to crush this. I'm so ready for it. Let's go. Boom. And odds are, if you feel that way, you've probably already done it. Or you've only had that goal for maybe like five minutes. Because right now in your life, you are rocking and rolling. But for many of you, you probably think about that goal and you say to yourself, oh man, how long have I been thinking about this goal? Why haven't I done it? Or it's a relatively new goal. And your thought is, there is no way I would be able to do that. That is scary. Am I ready for that? So maybe a question to ask yourself is, what past memories or experiences are coming up for you as you think about this future goal? The memory might be directly related to the new goal, like in Michael's story. You might be starting a business and thinking about what happened in your last business. Or they might not be directly related. Some of you might remember my scamp story from our episode on meaning entitled, Please Leave a Message. In that episode, I tell a story of how I put myself out there by bringing a stuffed animal to school, and I was ridiculed, metaphorically torn to shreds. So there I was standing there in, back in my side of the yard and looking down at him in my hands, and I was crying, and he was in shreds. I mean, his head was ripped off, his arm was hanging off, there were holes, stuffing was everywhere, and I was, I was just devastated. And that feeling has come up for me many times in my life. For example, when I thought about putting an album out into the world, when I thought about putting this podcast into the world, 
When I think about starting a business or sharing an idea, maybe when I stood in front of a woman for the first time and told her I loved her, and I thought, what is she going to say back? That childhood experience of putting myself out there and being torn to shreds can then show up in many different ways. So whatever comes up for you when you think about a current goal, before you step forward, ask yourself, have I completed the past? Do you need to reconcile some things in order to best serve that first step, right? in order to recalibrate your beliefs and your attitude as you step forward? And that brings us to step three. Step number three is where it really gets fun because this is where we turn the corner from the past to the future and we begin to design the future. Now, the reality is you've kind of got two choices. Either you're going to drift into this next year without a plan, which is usually a bad idea because people don't typically drift to a destination they would have chosen, or you can design the future and actually begin to think about what you want, try to get clear on what you want in all the major domains of your life. Now, I get it like most people that you can't control everything, right? I mean, there are th some things that are just going to happen that you didn't envision, things that come out of left field that are going to throw you off track. But in my experience, life goes better with a plan than without a plan. So designing your future really is a process of coming up with seven to 10 goals for this next year that meet a very specific format. And we've, most of us have heard of smart goals. I have a variation of that called smarter goals which includes the fact the last E in that acronym means that they've got to be exciting and they've got to be relevant, relevant to your season in life, relevant or aligned with your goals and so forth. But they've got to most of all be exciting. They've got to be things you actually want to do and get you fired up to think about accomplishing. A good example of something that has to be exciting. I had somebody, one of my clients said, I'm really struggling accomplishing this goal. And I said, well, tell me your goal. She said, well, to get my accounting reconciled and to get my bookkeeping caught up. And I said, oh, I said, well, let me ask this question. Does that get you excited about accomplishing it? And she said, heck no. She said, it bores me to death. And I said, I think we just found the problem. And here's the deal. Every goal is a project, but not every project is a goal. So there's a lot of stuff that we're going to do that's not a goal as we come into this next year, but goals by definition, because they're above and beyond the status quo of what you're already achieving, already doing, they've got to be exciting. Otherwise, you're not going to have the motivation to overcome the inertia and actually achieve the goal. Now, again, probably just because I'd never heard it before, but this was another part of Michael's five steps that jumped out to me. Smarter goals, because I've heard about smart goals. You've probably all heard about SMART goals. God, that is so smart. And to be clear, SMART is very effective. I just think the ER makes it even more valuable because it's got to excite you and it's got to be relevant, right? Otherwise, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because everyone else thinks you should do it? Or maybe you have a goal in your business that might feel really good when you do it, but it's not really going to get you where you want to go. Does it excite you? And is it relevant? I love that. And it then links and in some ways overlaps with step four. Okay, next step, step four, find your why. My wife says it this way. When people lose their why, they lose their way. And that's critically important as you begin the process of trying to achieve your goal because inevitably you get to that part where you've invested so much that you can't quit, 
but you're not sure you've got the resources to actually finish the goal. And that's what some have called what I call the messy middle. And the thing about the messy middle is you've got to dig deep and you've got to remember why you're doing it. Again, this sort of speaks to the undercurrent of goals. Just like your belief is a huge undercurrent, your attitude, how you feel about something is also massive. Just recently, I heard someone quote Eric Thomas. And if you don't know Eric Thomas, he is a motivational speaker, author, and minister. He told the guy, he said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. In one of his talks, Eric speaks of effort and how sometimes when you do something, your effort is low. You don't really feel like you want to do it. You feel like you should be doing it, and you're probably sort of dragging yourself along. And he says that when your effort is low, you're probably not thinking about the opportunity. You're probably thinking about the obligation. I think that's a good way to think about the find your why idea. If your why is aligned, then it feels like an opportunity you're excited about. You want to make it happen. If your why is not there or somehow not aligned, it feels like an obligation. It feels like a should. Odds are you're not going to execute on a should. And even if you do, you're gonna execute on it poorly. You're gonna drag yourself there. You'll likely barely finish and it's not going to be of the quality you would want. So the fourth step is the importance of being connected to why you're doing it. And you need all four of these steps so far. They're critical, but it is a five-step process for a reason. Because even if the first four are in place, if you don't take that fifth step, well, <laughs> I think you'll understand really quickly here why it won't matter. So step five is make it happen. And this is the step where you have to actually execute on the goal because unlike the secret, this is not just about, you know, throwing an intention out to the universe and then passively waiting for it uh, to come to pass. So you actually have to do some work and make it happen. But here's where a lot of people get tripped up too. They think they've got to have this detailed action plan. And usually that's a very fancy way to procrastinate. You know, I'll spend my time planning instead of actually doing it. And so this happened in the corporate world all the time where we'd come up with these strategic plans, we'd get these detailed action plans, budgets, we'd fill up a binder full of stuff, we'd stick it on the shelf, and we'd never look at it again. And a lot of people do that with goal setting. So what I teach in the book is just identify the next one or two steps because if the book is in your discomfort zone, which is another thing I teach, it's something you've never done before, um, you're not gonna know clearly how to get from here to there anyway. All you have to know is the next step. Identify that and start moving. So that's it. Five steps. Proven. Over 30,000 people have made it happen. Believe the possibility, complete the past, design your future, find your why, and make it happen. Now, like we stated earlier, it doesn't matter when you do this. Because this episode isn't about New Year's resolutions. It's not about a new calendar year. This episode is about change. It's about goals. It's about deciding that you want something different and doing something about it, which is sort of what this whole podcast is about, at least in its conception. Self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. What if we were to look at what's happening in our world and figure out what we can learn from it in order to be better? 
Not to say that we are not good enough. We are. You are awesome. But that does not exclude us from striving, from challenging ourselves, from sometimes wanting something a little different or even a lot different. So we don't believe it matters if you're listening to this on January 9th or July 27th. But for those of you who might feel like, eh, (laughs) it sort of does, Brett. I mean, I sort of want it to feel like a new year. I, I want it to feel like a fresh canvas. Okay. Well, maybe we can help you too. Can't we, Nick? Yes, we can, Brett. All right, so if you're not ready to start your new year just yet, then in a moment we're going to ask you to press pause on this podcast. Do whatever you need to do to get a plan together. Maybe that includes going out and grabbing Michael's book. Maybe it includes strategizing with friends and colleagues. Maybe it means doing some research online. Whatever it is, just do what you have to do to get a plan together. Right. So if you're not ready, just press pause now. All right. If you're here, if you're listening right now, that means you are now ready to start your new year. Congratulations. I am so excited for you. We know it's going to be your best year ever. So, are you ready? Let's start the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year, Nick. Happy New Year, Brett. Happy New Year, everybody. I want to thank Michael Hyatt for sharing his time and talents and knowledge with us for today's show. As you know, we've said it a bunch, he has a new book out called Your Best Year Ever, and you can get it right now. You can also go to wherever you buy books to pick up your own copy, or you can visit bestyearever.me. Also, yours truly, that's me, I produce Michael's podcast, Lead to Win, so there's a bonus plug for you. You can go check it out anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can go to leadto.win or michaelhyatt.com slash podcast. And you'll get the episodes and a bunch of resources for each episode. And really, honestly, it's just a really pretty website. So go look at it for that reason. All right. Thanks. Hey, everyone. This is Brett. And Nick is still here with me. Yo. Yo. Uh, This is the part of the show where we talk about what we're digging. It is appropriately called WTS Digs. And we just share something that we're we're sort of digging at the moment, whether that's TV show, uh, movies, music, food. It's been all kinds of things. So this week, we're going to start with Nick. Uh, I think Nick might even have a couple of digs. Nick, what are you digging? Yeah, I'm I'm digging a couple things because they're just like smaller stuff, something that I want to put all my weight behind just to put, I don't know, it's been a while since we did digs. One of them is because I don't remember if I've done this before. Brett, have I ever done Crazy Ass Girlfriend on the show, actually? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Okay, so I know we've referenced it. She was in a couple episodes. But I do want to say that, um, like You're the Worst, but different, 
This is a show that if you start at the beginning, when you get to season three, it's a little mind blowing, honestly. <laughs> and it's, it's, it gets, it's, I don't even really say anything more than that, but there've been a lot of think pieces about what's been happening in this third season. So there's that. It's a comedy musical. The title is a little bit of off putting. I get that, but it is, um, it just hits a lot of notes. If you've been thinking, crazy girlfriend, what is that? Just check it out. The second thing is, and I, this is a bad dig for the general public, but maybe a good dig for our audience is I bought a Nintendo Switch a couple months ago and sort of like on a whim, I say that my brother points out I'd been thinking about it for like six months, but one day I was like, screw it, Nintendo Switch. And it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> it is, it seems like it's like, oh, it's just a, con it's a video game system, but its portability is great. Your ability just to like share it with a friend, like on a whim is great. There's lots of fun games, Mario Odyssey, Zelda. It's just like a fun thing to take to the airport or take on the road to just sort of check out and play a good Nintendo game. Nintendo is great. So I really, if it's just a fun little system. So that's it. It's like a really simple dig for me. It's funny. I just, I just texted a buddy of mine about this yesterday because he was talking about it on Facebook because I'm thinking of getting one for Rad because Rad sort of is like- For my, you. Well, no. Well, for my son and me. I mean, I'll play with him. Yeah. something to do with my son's six he's six and a half actually but he loves video games and he's sort of pretty good at them and and we have an old Wii but I'm sort of like over it um and I so I reached out to my buddy I was like whoa you were mentioning the switch what and he was like oh it's amazing so we'll have an offline conversation but I'm hearing a lot about the switch lately it's it's just it's just like so simple there's no extra fees it's not ex super expensive like yeah you just plop down money and you own it like other systems it's like oh but you have to have this thing and this yeah. thing uh, so it's really nice. So that's and the I'm other digging. thing I want to say before, just I, sorry to interrupt you, but I, but I want to say one, something about your other dig is I, I, I've been noticing this a lot lately. Like I, I sort of have a lot of respect for these shows. You mentioned you're the, you're the worst. I think Halt and Catch Fire was like this. These shows that sort of you can tell that the creators are thinking about like they're creating something amazing in the arc of the show, not just a season, right? Where well, they, they build up the things like and and, and sort of. And it's almost like the difference between listening to a, a single or an album. But in this case, the album isn't the season. The album is actually the multiple seasons. And and through that, you get this arc. And I'm sort of appreciating that. I'm feeling like there's a, a handful of shows that do that in, in an amazing way. Well, what's interesting, about, and I, again, I don't want to go into spoilers, but if a show had tackled the same topics within just one season, even if they're like, this season, this is what we're going to do, it actually wouldn't pay off the same way that it has hmm. Um, because now we're revisiting certain things from before, but it feels different. Um, so anyway, Chris's yeah, girlfriend. Cool. Switch. Uh, yes. Brett, what are you digging right now? Okay. So, so I'm sort of going to do something similar, sort of like a couple of little quick digs. So just before New Year's, Nick, I posted, uh, on our Facebook page, my 12 favorite records of the year. So I do this every yes, year. Yes. I've been doing it since high school. A couple of them actually were, were, were former digs, a digs alumni, I guess. Uh, but there's two I just want to highlight because they weren't former digs. And uh, one is an album by a band called Sisters. Uh, they actually put out two records last year. I think we're gonna people are gonna hear a lot. They're sort of getting buzz as sort of the band to watch in uh, 2018. I think they're gonna make a bit of a breakthrough. But I'll just say this: I posted about this Sisters record. It's called Wait Don't Wait. I posted about it on Facebook back in November when I first heard it. And and this is what I wrote: I wrote. It's like an 80s movie soundtrack had sex with the Bee Gees and then got artificially inseminated with some Steely Dan, late 90s electronica, Sheila E. era Prince and Scissor Sisters. So I don't know, but that was that's, what I wrote. And uh, I just love this record. That's quite a review. But can I
Yeah, the record was also made. They went to a cabin. They made it in like four days, and they recorded the whole thing on their iPhone, which is just insanity, and it's mm. great. The second record is actually what I think is probably my fave record of the year, though honestly there's three or four that sort of bounce around. But it's a, a relatively unknown record, uh, a guy named Tom Adams. The record is called Silence. Uh, I'll just say that he's, it's sort of a haunting record. It's, it's, he's got one of these voices, and I'm not the first to say this, to sort of compare him to people like uh, Yonzi from Cigarose or even Jeff Buckley. There's a couple songs where you hear real Jeff Buckley. Yes. So very, very cinematic, very haunting, beautiful, beautiful record. I tried to cut you out. But you stayed beneath my skin And with every passing day You moved closer into my lungs But I'm breathing clearer Without you by my side anymore So check out uh, Sisters Wait Don't Wait. Check out Tom Adams Silence, and then you can go on our Facebook page. Just scroll back a little bit, and you'll see uh, all twelve of my favorite records of last year. And actually, we're going to do a little bit of uh, production talk. I assume at this point in the episode, we have heard tracks from both of those albums. Oh, we have, and that they have been curated by Brett because this oh. is the thing that we've been through. Oh, where we have, we have. Yeah, he to- mentions an artist, and I just <laughs> pick a song, uh, and then he's like, "That's not the song I wanted." So. <laughs> Hopefully the songs in there were the ones he wanted to hear. Yes, they um, are. And actually, I'll just say on that, if you also scroll back in our Facebook feed, right after the post where I posted my 12 favorite records, I posted a playlist I made on Spotify that ooh. includes a couple of tracks from all those records. Um, and that's a great, I think it's like five hours of joy you can get there. So, so check it out. Definitely, like, can we'll put it in the show description. So right now in your podcast, you can probably, if you have Spotify, you can go click a link Boom. and you're there. Boom. Yeah. I don't right. know if we can do that, but I'm pretty sure we can. Yeah, do that. but I like your promise. So go check. Go. I'm not editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what we're digging this week. Of course, if you're digging something, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can contact us at connect at wherethersmoke.co and just share the love. Tell us what you're into. We'll check it out and we'll probably like it because we're all cool people here. So that's all I got, Brett. All right. Well, take us out, Nick. Thanks. I can't go any longer than that, ever. That was amazing. All right. Welcome to the credits. First, I want to give mad props and much respect to listener Tim Platten for completing his 1,000-mile run challenge in 2017 and raising over 2,000 pounds for Asthma UK. Where There's Smoke is honored to have sponsored a few of those miles, and I even ran a very, very small portion of them with Tim when I was in London last year. Check out the Mile Buy Club on Facebook or milebuyclub.com. Now, that is mile, M-I-L-E, buy, B-U-Y, club, C-L-U-B, Dot com to see what Tim is up to in 2018. He started a community run challenge that you could be a part of. All right, some shout outs. First, Zachary Sexton, Jai Kumar, and Carlos Pacheco for bumping the show on Twitter and Facebook. And thank you to Stephanie Studer for sharing the show and denting the damn world. And please, save us some chili. If you want to help this mission wrapped in a podcast, 
please share the show. Is there anyone you know that could use some fuel for their goals this year? Maybe text them this show or post it online. Where There's Smoke is envisioned, believed in, reconciled, designed, planned, and executed by Brett Guida and Nick Jaworski with support from our team of Teresa Ward, Kristen McMullen, and Dylan Davis. Perhaps your goal this year is to have a podcast. If so, a great starting point for direction and execution is to reach out to Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you need a keynote speaker or someone to come and whip your team's mindset into shape, reach out to me, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at wherethersmoke.co. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with a season four redesigned by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. And Nick, what other musical artists were featured in this show? All right, this week we have music from Ari De Niro, Blue Dot Sessions, Jazar, David Seste, Lirio Zavere, that Auld Lang Syne, which you've actually used before, it's kind of a motif here on the show, is from The Windrose. Duh! Is a song from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, actually, so go check that show out. And of course, our friend, Kevin McLeod. And finally, we leave you with a heartfelt musical reminder from Kid President. You're awesome! Totally awesome! Do it! Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time.